Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, actually. I want to read two verses from chapter 10, and then uh, want to read uh, the section in your bulletin from chapter 11. Uh, the reason for that is we are going to be teaching on the Lord's Supper this morning, in particular the role of the Holy Spirit. And um, verses um, 16 and 17 of chapter 10 sort of set up the whole purpose or the whole significance of chapter 11, the teaching on the Lord's Supper, and in particular, how the church sinned against the Lord and sinned against the body of Christ, sinned against the Holy Spirit in the ways in which they were abusing uh, the Lord's Supper, even as they were abusing one another. And so we want, Lord, uh, we want to uh, consider the, the amazing power and beauty of these verses, 16 and 17, and then we'll turn the page to uh, chapter 11, verse 17. This is God's Word. The cup of blessing that we bless, uh, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are Many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. We partake of the one bread, Christ. We are one body or one loaf uh, that is then uh, pictured here in the Lord's Supper, chapter 11, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, beginning at verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, uh, for there must be factions among you in order for those who are genuine among you to be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or why do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, uh, also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined 
so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about these other things. I will give directions when I come. Let's pray together. Lord, we call upon you, our God and Father, since all fullness of wisdom and light is found in you. Mercifully enlighten us by your Holy Spirit in the true understanding and application of your word. Speak to us through your word in the power of the Holy Spirit that our hearts would be enlightened and changed. For it is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. We turn to yet another one of these mini phases or sections of the series on the Holy Spirit. These all start with the letter G. Uh, the Holy Spirit grants us great a grace. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives us glory. We'll be talking today and next week on the, the grace part as the Holy Spirit grants us grace through the sacraments, through the Lord's Supper and then baptism. And then the following week, considering our gifts, the Spirit gives each one gifts that are to be used for the common good. And then finally, uh, on, the, on the doctrine of, of sanctification, He gives us glory. He gives us glory. The Spirit grants us grace through the Lord's Supper. The tone, therefore, of the Lord's Supper should be one of joyful expectation and of thanksgiving. There should be an, expect, an expectation of meeting with God personally, our risen Savior personally, and receiving from Him gifts and grace and kindness and mercy for our difficult journey. It is possible... And I have spoken with some sensitive, um, spiritually sensitive people who shy away from the supper and therefore shy away from Jesus himself because of the warnings that are contained in our text. Uh, warnings we see in the beginning of verse 27 um, those who eat in an unworthy manner. Uh, a person is required to examine himself. A person is required to discern the body rightly. These warnings, taken out of the context of the book of Corinthians, can be unnecessarily burdensome and unnecessarily hinder us from the, taking the Lord's Supper correctly. Remember, as we said in the Heidelberg Catechism, in the Lord's Supper, we remember the Holy Spirit who joins us to Christ's body in heaven, but then also constitutes us as Christ's body on earth, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And so we should be able to readily see the connection between between receiving grace from the Lord in heaven and how we treat one another in the body of Christ here. And that's the burden of Paul's warnings. We are his body. We receive his body and blood in the sacrament. There is a bond of communion, our confession says, with our risen Christ, but also, of course, in the body of Christ here assembled. So our purpose this morning uh, is, is, is a high and lofty goal uh, that, uh, that we would enrich, we would deepen our gains in receiving the Lord's Supper through the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Lord's Supper would become more uh, precious to us. And we would take it properly with expectation of what the Spirit has to do in us and and, uh, through this sacrament for us. Uh, First of all, then, uh, we consider that through the Spirit, the Supper shows us the Gospel of Christ. The Supper shows us the Gospel of Christ. Uh, Jesus says uh, in the chapter 11, uh, do this in remembrance of me for as long as you do so, you will be proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. The Spirit, uh, through the supper, is showing us the gospel of Christ. Two things very simply about this. One is he helps us to understand the word. We know this, that the word of God is only is only understood by those who have been granted the Holy Spirit, the natural man, Chapter 2.14 cannot receive or understand the the word of God. Uh, In the Spirit's work of effectual calling, that is calling us to himself in an effectual way, not just shouting our name, but actually drawing us into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In that effectual calling, the Spirit enlightens our minds to understand the word of God. The word comes alive. It makes sense to us. The Spirit keeps bringing that light to us so that we see more and more clearly as we mature. That's the ministry of the Spirit. And the same thing is true for how the Spirit ministers to us through the Lord's Supper. We understand the Supper through the Spirit. We need to listen to care, listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying to the church regarding the Lord's Supper. Clear enough, uh, in chapter 5 of, of this book, uh, the, uh, the Old Covenant meal, Passover, is linked uh, with the Lord's Supper. And there is something to be learned and gleaned from the Passover itself. Each Israelite family in Egypt would eat that Passover lamb. And in so doing, they shared in the blessing of the Lamb's death. They shared in the blessing of the Lamb's death. As the Lamb's blood was smeared on the frame, the doorframe of the house, um, and, and the firstborn was, was, uh, son was spared, so they were protected from God's judgment. So likewise, we share in Christ's death. We share in blessings of Christ's death as he takes God's curse, absorbs God's wrath for us, and then grants us the blessing of the welcome of God. Nothing less than the welcome and delight of the Father through the work of the Son as ministered through the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit assures you of these blessings and you are safe and secure in the very presence of God. The Spirit then takes what is Christ's and makes it known to you, makes it known to me. And the Supper does the same thing as the Word. It's not a different kind of grace. It does the same thing as the Word. It spotlights the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is also the Lamb of God. It's, it makes it, he makes it personal for us that this one died in your place as a substitute. And in the supper, the same work of the Spirit is accomplished. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. One writer puts it this way. We don't get a different or a better Christ in the supper from the Christ we get in the Word. We don't get a different Christ or a better Christ in the supper than we get from in the Word. We may get, however, the same Christ better. We may get the same Christ better as the Holy Spirit shows us Christ through the physical um, elements of the, of the bread and the, and the wine that we take into ourselves. And this body of Christ becomes ours. But through the Spirit, the Supper shows us the Gospel. But through the Spirit, the Supper also shows us our fellowship with Christ. And that's the significance of chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. We participate in the body and the blood of Christ. Now, this, of course, is not as the Roman Catholic Church sees it, that big word transubstantiation, where the body uh, in the sacrament becomes, uh, where the bread in the sacrament becomes the body of Christ, where the, the wine becomes the blood of Christ, and therefore Christ is physically present. Uh, that's why, of course, the, uh, at, at one point in, the, in church history, the, um, the, the, the wine was withheld from the, the clergy because of the danger of spillage on the carpet. And that would be a, a tragic thing to spill the blood of Christ on the carpet. Well, it, it's not that. No, we encounter Christ not through elements that have been made into his body, but through the Spirit. We encounter Christ really, spiritually, through the Holy Spirit. And neither is it like many in the church today, believe it, where the Lord's Supper is largely or primarily, it's just a memorial meal. Christ, of course, is not present, but we remember, we proclaim his death and we remember that he died for us. And there is an element, certainly, of truth in that, more than an element. Yes, we do this in remembrance of Christ, but a Christ who is present. We're not just remembering him. It is fellowship in Christ's body and his blood. We encounter Christ himself through the supper. That's the Spirit's work. But then we also see the connection that we have together as the body of Christ. And this is what verse 17 goes on to say in, in, first, in first Corinthians. First Corinthians 17, uh, or, or 15 verse 17 
I'm sorry, slipped a chapter, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Make no mistake, Christ is not um, bodily in the bread and the wine. Where is Christ bodily? He is in heaven at the Father's right hand. But through the Spirit, uh, we come into His presence and He stands among us. Calvin says this is almost unbelievable. I, I love how honest Calvin is in so much of his teaching. It's hard even to understand how this could be true. But the Spirit unites us down here with Christ's flesh and blood in heaven. The Christ of heaven enters us and becomes our food and drink. The same body that was crucified, that was buried, that rose again from the dead, that was ascended, that ascended on high, that Christ is ministered to our spiritual lives, our bodies. He is infused, this Christ is infused in us. We are joined, is joined together with us. Christ ascended on high in order to call down, to cause to descend the Holy Spirit upon us so that we could be joined with the Christ on high. Remember what, uh, what Paul said in, in, Acts, uh, in, Acts chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 9. Uh, he, was out, um, he was out persecuting the church. And he hears the voice from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus saying, I'm identified with that body. They are my body, filled with my spirit, being nourished with my body in heaven. I am with them. Now, what is all the point of this? This is basic, reformed, sacramental theology. What is the point of us? The point of this? And that is to show us, as we enter now, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Again, First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, as we enter into the, um, the 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 train wreck that was the Corinthian church. Through the Spirit, the supper shows us thirdly our unity in Christ, and then we turn to, to, to this chapter, chapter eleven. It is anything but unity, and Paul is just. He's beyond disturbed. In the following instructions, verse 17, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. You're gathering together, and in all likelihood, this is a, a weekly celebration of the Lord's Supper that they would have. It was as they would meet on the Lord's Day, they would have a feast together, an agape meal together, that would merge right into the Lord's Supper and he said, you are doing more harm than good. You are shooting yourself in the foot because of the way you're celebrating the supper. In the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. Verse 18. There are divisions among you. Remember how the book of 1 Corinthians opens up. Uh, he's, he op- the beginning chapter acknowledges the divisions. I follow Paul. 
some people said. I follow Apollos. Others said I follow Cephas. And then I can just hear the tone of voice. Well, I follow Christ. He, he is, he is uh, torn apart by that. There's jealousy and strife. Elsewhere in the book, it describes Christians taking other Christians into the civil, situ- the secular courts to try cases. And there is one of the most memorable phrases in all of this letter. Paul says, this is so crazy. Why would you rather not be wronged? Better for you to be wronged and defrauded than to take a court case between two Christians into, into the secular sphere. It's madness, he is saying. Uh, uh, further on in the book, they are wounding, wounding the consciences of the weaker brothers without even being concerned about it. Eating certain things, going into, into temples, and, 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 and not even aware of the, how they were affecting those whose consciences were burdened by this. It's, in verse 20, it's not the Lord's Supper you're receiving. It's, it's, you're so far off base. It's not even the Lord's Supper. So there's a problem of divisions. And then, and then there's the problem of selfishness, verses 20 and 21. Can you imagine this? When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. Okay. Picture in your mind, we're back in the fellowship hall, and some of you... Wealthy people come in with a massive amount of food. And you hunker down, and you've got your tables over here, and you are feasting. And then some of you who are less wealthy come in with, with a, maybe a dried up little peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, and, you, and you, you, you sit in your little corner and you eat your meal, looking over your shoulder at those people digging into their feast. And then you have the Lord's Supper, right? Right? And, then, and some people are getting drunk, raiding the communion wine or whatever. They're getting drunk, and, and it's just, it, it's just, can, imagine that. It's chaos. It's anything but glorifying to the Lord. It is humiliating, finally, to those who have less. You are despising the church of Christ. It is a bold-faced scandal in the church. And then you go right into the Lord's Supper. It, he's beside himself. Let's then seek, with the help of the Spirit, to properly apply these familiar warnings in the context that we've just heard. Let's take, let's, let's see how we can handle these different, these different warnings. Don't use Paul's stern warning to a deeply divided church as the normal pattern for how we are to prepare for the supper. Don't take Paul's severe stern warnings as a pattern for how we are to prepare for the supper. Remember what I spoke of earlier, sensitive souls with tender consciences which can keep themselves from the very blessing they need by misapplying these words. we got to get these words right! First of all, then, examine yourself. 
Now, I think many people take these themes, examine yourself, discern the body, and so forth, and they take them outside of this context and do different things with them than Paul had in mind. Examine yourself. Usually what we, what we think of here is, is uh, that, that you prepare yourself for the Lord's Supper with careful, meticulous introspection. And in particular, you are looking for some secret sin about which you are impenitent. In fact, we even have a phrase for that. You're secretly or or impenitently living in any sin. So you scour your conscience and you wonder if there's something that you've missed. You are traumatized by this command. It's too vast for you. What is wrong with interpreting it that way? It can be the problem that you have some secret or in, and, impen- and sin that you are impenitent towards. That can be a problem. But is that what Paul is getting at here? He's not talking about inward secret sins, but about outward scandalous sins. He's talking about people who are shredding the fellowship and, and, and dividing the body. And then they're going into the Lord's Supper. Don't make things, don't aggravate things by by, by mistreating the body of Christ here and then go right right into the Lord's Supper as if you're not grieving the Lord for how you're treating each other. Examine yourself. In what way might I be disturbing disturbing the peace of the church and just not even dealing with it myself. See, but you can unnecessarily wound the believer with a tender conscience and they'll forget that the supper is for weak, sin-sick souls. This is my body, which is for you, Jesus said. Don't miss it. So apply that carefully. Apply that carefully as you, as you examine as you examine um, yourself. This is not, not looking for some secret, uh, impenitent sin that is sort of mysterious. Are you wrecking the church is what he's really after. The second thing then is don't eat or drink in an unworthy manner. We see this in verse 27. See, that, that what was going on there is people were profaning and making common and unclean the Lord's table. But how do we generally interpret this? We often think of it this way. That it is we must, we must create a fence to keep out unbelievers. Now that is true. But, but it, uh, it becomes often a, a, a thought like this. We, we, we are in danger, we feel we're in danger of having a, an unbeliever com, commit uh, an unpardonable sin. Uh, But that is not, again, what Paul is talking about here. He's talking to believers. He says, when you are judged by the Lord, um, we are disciplined. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned. He's talking to believers here, not to unbelievers. He's talking to people um, who uh, were playing like friends with God, and they had enemies at church. Another way we interpret this is, do you really know Christ? If you eat or drink in an unworthy manner, 
you must be very careful that you, you truly know Christ and you begin to begin so, to get so introspective. Do I have enough faith? Uh, do I have enough love? Do I have enough repentance? Do I have enough obedience to the Lord? I, I feel that I don't. And so I, I just, I, I must be, get, must be taking the supper in an unworthy manner. People, is, is Paul requiring a regular and detailed pre-Lord's Supper spiritual inventory? Is that what he's after? I, I think when you look at it that way, you are, you are using the means of grace more as a reward for grace than anything else. And missing the point of the supper. As if the table is only for the well-nourished the fit and surging Christians who are doing great. Most of us aren't in that category. The third thing, then, is discerning the body properly. We see this in verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. How do we often understand that? Well, we often understand that, discerning the body. We often understand that. Do people understand that the, the relationship between the sacrament and the person of Jesus? Do people discern what a sacrament is? Are they mature enough to know, first of all, that the Lord's Supper isn't a snack? And yes, people should know that. <laughs> Do they understand that, uh, that it, it represents the body and blood of Jesus, but it isn't, but it isn't the body and blood literally? Yes, they need to understand that. But is that what this passage is saying? Paul is more concerned, I think this passage bears out clearly, Paul is more concerned with the relationship between people than their knowledge of what a sacrament is. Are you discerning Jesus in your brother or sister? That's a better question, a better way of understanding. Do you discern Jesus in your brother or sister? Do you discern that your brother or sister is in Christ? That's what he's getting after. We're part of the same body. We eat the same loaf. We're the same body. We're the same, we're the same family. And we're connected to Jesus. So, of course, we've got to treat our brothers and sisters differently. Uh, do we love one another as, the, as members of the body of Christ? That's where Paul is going. Discern the body properly. Are we accepting one another as members of the body of Christ? I fear that we have used these admonitions that fit a grossly deformed church and misapply it and overlook the simple truth that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see how we are treating one another and therefore treating Christ. Are we honoring the Lord of the table in the way we take the Lord's table? Just two things then as we wrap up here. I want to thank the Lord for the sweet unity that he has given this body of Christ. I thank God for the sweet unity of the body of Christ. The supper then is a demonstration that we are one body in Him and that we feed on Him. Keep, therefore, thanksgiving the major chord of the Lord's Supper.
Yes, we sometimes need to hit the minor chord, and we do need to. We do certainly need to examine ourselves. But I think sometimes people imagine coming into the Lord's Supper is so substantially different than coming into any worship service. You examine yourself in any worship service. You don't wait for a monthly experience to do that. That would be strange. Today, examine yourself. If you have a minor disturbance with another person in the body, body, resolve it. But keep the major key of thanksgiving prominent in the supper. Enjoy the fact that we're not like the Corinthian church. (laughs) That we're not a deformed body like that. The second thing is remember and always remember, this should not be a surprise to any of you by this point, that uh, the Spirit connects weak people with the crucified Christ. That's what the Spirit does. He connects weak people like you and me with the crucified Christ. You may come to church on that fourth Sunday discouraged. Well, guess what? The supper is for you. You may come to worship uh, confused or defeated, and you might be tempted to pass the plate on. It's for you. Let it sit there in front of you and take that bread and take that juice. It is for you. You may feel so unworthy. The supper is for people who realize they are unworthy, not for those who think they are worthy. You may wish that you were farther along. Well, don't bemoan that and avoid the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is for people. Helping people to get further along in their journeys. The Lord's Supper is for strugglers. It is for the spiritually thirsty. All who are thirsty, come to me and drink. For this is the new covenant in my blood. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the word this morning that shouts of your mercy and grace to sinners. It calls us uh, to understand the word properly so that we would not, in an unnecessary way, disqualify ourselves from the table. Lord, grant us much of the Spirit. We are, as Calvin said, weak and sick souls in need of the the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, how we thank you for this body of Christ. How we thank you for the unity that we have in, in Jesus, the love that is noticed by the community around us and was referenced multiple times uh, on Thursday. How we praise you for the work of the Spirit in this body of Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.